Hi, and welcome to Smart Girls in the YA Stacks. I'm Michelle. And I'm Paige. And this week we are reading Teeny Pretty Things. I always get no, confused. That's not what it's called. It is called Teeny Pretty it's Things. It's called Tiny Pretty Things, Michelle. Oh, it is called Tiny Pretty Things. I think Teeny oh and Tiny God. should be the same word, but they're not. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, so. Um, anyway, it's by Sonia. Oh my God. Okay, so <laughs> we can't pronounce these people's names. I'm going to try my very best, Sonia. We're really pleased that you've actually stuck with us to our second episode, because we listened to our recording of the first episode and did not realize how much noise we make just, like, sitting here. Because, like, you can hear me clicking my pen, you can hear me opening my coffee cup, you can hear Nichelle's dog collar. I have to apologize for Nichelle, because <laughs> my dog is it's now. really noticeable if you're listening to it. Nichelle has this dog that we're actually just lucky didn't, like, fly out the window and, like, kill someone <laughs> on the street. It's a lot He's of still a puppy, but he weighs, like, 60 pounds, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's a little frightening. Anyway, this book is by... (laughs) But we will talk over each other the same amount. So, (laughs) until someone buys us two really nice microphones. (gasps) Ooh, with headphones. The nice headphones. This is as good as it gets. Anyway, welcome back. We're going to talk about this book because we can't pronounce her name. Okay, so... (laughs) No, but I want to at least try to pronounce her name. Okay, go ahead. You go first. Okay, so this is Tiny Pretty Things by Sonia Kyrae Potra. And... Donielle Clayton. The first author's name is actually Sona, not Sonia. And I don't know how to pronounce the last name. But I think you're good in the second one. I think we should call the first author, author Sona, her first name, because we yeah. can pronounce that one. And the second author, Clayton, because we can pronounce the last name. And we're, we're pretty, like, 100% sure. Like, and they're not here to ones, correct us. Yeah. The other, if they were here and they could tell us how to pronounce their names, we would obviously call them by their names as they asked us to pronounce them. <laughs> Yeah. We're not trying to be horrible people. I feel like we kind of sound like horrible people. And we're like, we don't care. We can't pronounce your name. I was reading something yesterday, and they were talking about how, like, if you can learn to say doi doi <laughs> <laughs> Which they still can't, by the way. Dostoyevsky. Uh, Dostoyevsky. Dostoyevsky. Okay, so I can't. So I'm exempt. <laughs> But you can learn how to do that. Because it was... Michelle's not a bad person. She just can't talk. <laughs> it was uh, Duzo... Uh, I don't Duzo Aduba? Yeah. I think that's her name. Yeah. Shit. Well, Uzo is, like, a know. short version of her name. But she's talking about that. Oh, and how when her... Like, because she grew up in, like, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. And um, people were like, why did you name your child this? She grew up in Massachusetts to her mom. And her mom's like, if people can learn how to pronounce Doisko... <laughs> Russian they can learn, novelist. <laughs> they can... And um, other people whose names I'm not going to attempt to butcher. Um, then they can learn how to pronounce... Which is true. Like, I feel like if, like, if it's actually, like, a person around you who can actually tell you to pronounce their name right. and you don't learn how to pronounce their name, yeah, like, you're not a great person. We don't know how to pronounce these names and they're not here to tell us how. So we're going to stick to the ones that we can pronounce, which is the first name and the last name. Yeah. So and Clayton. Actually, we might just not refer to them by name. We might just say We very, We didn't talk that much to What's-Her-Face, the last one, we were liars. Or yeah, we used name like, twice, so it'll be fine. I'm oh, also we remedying the pain in my neck right now, and I might have... Cervical spinal stenosis. So this might be meningitis page- isn't on here though, so I think oh. I'm okay. This might be Paige's last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out for Paige. I know that it could be a brain aneurysm, but that's pretty far down on the list. Anyway, I feel like that Buffy episode. We seem sitting here with you. Yeah. I think I still can help you. I don't know what you would do. I'm but... calling my normal. <laughs> Thank you. What would you do for myself? Well, you're unconscious at that point. I don't know. I don't know. We'll cross this bridge when we get to it. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> we're going to get started now. So this book is a ballet book, and I actually read this book 
And then I was like, Paige, we have to read this book for the podcast. But anyway, I read it because I was like, ballet books. I love ballet books because... You hate ballet books, Michelle. Okay, I love ballet. I love ballet. (laughs) And so I always want to love ballet books. I've actually never read a good ballet book, (laughs) but I really want to love them. So, and this book has a... Has like a lot of praise out in the world. Yeah, like it's gotten really good reviews, and we had real high hopes to like it. I didn't really have high hopes because I didn't really care to read about my book. I didn't care because like you look at this book and like you know it's about bad things happening because the book is tiny pretty things and there's like this glass shattering effect on it. Yeah. And you know it's about these people being horrible people to each other. And I was pretty sure I wasn't gonna like it, and I was not wrong. Also, I kept getting really confused in the title because it's, like, Too Close to Pretty Little Liars, which is, like... Which is obviously, like, teen like, pre- sure. Like, why would they not capitalize on that? <laughs> like, it's just, like, three words, two of which are adjectives, which I never get in the right order, and the other one is things, which I guess I remember most of the time. But it's a weird title. It also tells you nothing about what happens in the book. I mean, ballerinas are tiny... And pretty. And apparently things. <laughs> and apparently things. Maybe that's the message of this book. The ballerina starts. Like, not things. Like, that's the anti-message. What? <laughs> We're going to move on now. Like, ballerinas are people, not things. That's what we should learn from this book. Also, it says perfection comes at a price. That's, like, the tagline. Tagline, yeah. I don't know when I mean, books decided they got taglines, but this book did. It's the standard ballet narrative where it's this thing that looks really beautiful on the outside and Behind the scenes is, like, horrible things happen. Which is, Obviously, like, probably true happening. to ballet. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, in the Bolshoi Ballet, was it? There was, like, that acid attack? Yeah. <laughs> Those were a couple of years ago, so I don't actually remember the details. My ballet teacher always talked about how if you were the sugar plum fairy in the Nutcracker, you had to watch out because girls would just push you down the stairs. Yeah, so there's some of that going on here, too. Yep. I mean, ballet is, like, probably not, like, an ideal world where we want to be like, this is what humanity should be, but, right. <laughs> um, but yeah. So we're looking at a teen version, so it's about these, I don't remember how many, there's a bunch of teens. There's a million characters in this <laughs> I can name several by name, and a lot of them have a, a role in the narration. Yeah. So it's narrated from multiple perspectives. There's three narrators, mostly. There's also a fourth narrator, which we get, like, two sections from, uh, but mostly we get alternating narration by Bet. Uh-huh. Her name is spelled, also, we can't pronounce the characters. <laughs> her name is spelled B-E-T-T-E, which I guess can be pronounced as Betty or Bet. We're calling her Bet because Betty is, like, my grandma, was, like, my grandmother's name, and I feel and she's like, like yeah. she's a little too high class for that. Yeah. So we're calling her Bet. I feel like Bet would be the more French way to pronounce it, too, because, like, not that we actually have any knowledge of French. No, I have no knowledge of French, but from what I've observed of French, most of the time you just don't pronounce the last couple letters. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, there's Bet, there's Gigi, and then there's June. Mm-hmm. And those are our three main narrators. Yeah. Um, and then we also have narr- some narration, like we mentioned, by this girl named Cassie. We don't even find out who the heck she is until, like, three-fourths of the way through the book. Yeah. So, we've... Yeah. To be clear, this book is about a bunch of teenage ballerinas who attend the American Ballet... I can't remember. There's the actual, like, American Ballet Theater. I think that's the real one. Right. They're, like, an ABC. Yeah. The American Ballet Conservatory. Or company or something. I don't don't know. know. The point is, it's... It's based on the ABT. Yeah. So it's... The idea is that these teenagers are studying 
to hopefully become members of the company or at least to go into other prestigious right. dance companies. And so it's, this is like a ballet intensive where they go to school in this boarding school that's actually like in the facility and they spend most of their day doing like ballet and training and stuff. And then they also have right. school on the side. And the authors actually, or at least one of them, was a teacher at an actual ballet school like this. Yeah. So at least in like, some ways, in she the, that person experience. She was like an English teacher. Life. She was yeah. not like a ballerina teacher. Yeah, that's academic teacher. Which I'm a teacher and I thought for half a second that that'd be really cool to teach at a ballet school because that'd be really cool. And then I realized that I would, actually that would be horrible because they're all there to do ballet and like, no one cares at all about history, even less than right. they already care in a normal school. And I bet you couldn't assign like any homework whatsoever. Very little. I don't know how it works. But this is a real thing that people do from, like, the age of, like, 13 till 18. Um, so, and it's, like, a very high pressure because not everyone who's at this school makes it. But as we talked about, your actual education is, like, way less valued than your ballet career. Mm-hmm. So if you don't make it into a company, like, mm-hmm. you're in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. And you want to make it into a good company because, like, you probably can make it into, like, a bad company. Like, somewhere Yeah, they, I mean, there's obviously, like, less prestigious ballet companies. Right. Like, the North Dakota Ballet Company, which I'm sure is not a thing at all. I think it is. Bismarck Ballet. Are you sure? I'm going to Google know. it, because I don't, I bet North Dakota is not a ballet company. But if, like, you made into that, that would be, a, like, a little bit less prestigious than, like, the right. Joffrey. Right. Or even, like, uh, the ABT equivalent that refers mm-hmm. to this book. And, like, yeah. a lot of the girls want to get into that, because that's the school they're attached to, but, and... I don't know. We don't know the statistics for the specific book. But, you know, for ABT, they pool, like, 90% of... There is a North Dakota Ballet. So I apologize, <laughs> North Dakota. It might be great. We've never been to North Dakota Ballet. It's I've been best. to North Dakota. I bet if, state. if you're making ballerinas move to North Dakota, you could have to. Yeah, they're, they're going to be cold. <laughs> yeah. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> but ABT pulls, like, 90% of their um, company from the school, but that's only, like, a few dancers a year because you don't actually need that many new dancers because then you're not, like, recycling the whole company every year. Yeah, that would be a little... So... <laughs> so these girls are... I mean, it's, like, a very high-stress situation. Right. So this is really... The book is playing up that competitive angle. And the framing device is really this vignette, and it's, cause it's told by these multiple narratives, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to call it a vignette, whatever. I'll call it what I want. It's a chapter. <laughs> I don't care. Um, the framing device is really this beginning chapter vignette, whatever, with from Cassie's perspective. Cassie is like the new ballerina at the school, and she's very, very good. And she's like the top, like she's you know taken the spot of all these other girls who have been there for years, and like right. you know by tradition or like by seniority should have these roles or whatever right she's like the second highest level and not the so there's like eight levels so she's a level seven but she's taking roles from girls that are level eights yeah i don't know what that means but i'm sure michelle's right plus she has this boyfriend Henri, who is this big deal in like the french ballet world and has followed her to the school or they've ended up here together no he didn't he comes later i thought they were brother and sister That's a little incestuous. Okay. No. They're boyfriend and girlfriend. Henri is not there at the time. I forgot. Just kidding. He comes later. And we'll get to it. We don't Doesn't actually, her brother go to school too, though? Cassie's brother? What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like she's a brother that goes to school. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't have any notes on this book, guys. Confession time. Okay, we, just like the last book, we're also not 100% clear on, like, every plot point. <laughs> so we're not here to discuss the plot today, because... It was whatever. So anyway. It was boring. But I can at least tell you how the book gets started. So Cassie is, like, a big deal. She's taking all these roles. And so then just this opening vignette, we see, like, 
her dancing in a rehearsal, and her partner, Alec, mm. drops her. Supposedly, accidentally, we find out, of course, later that it was not. He was pressured into it by Bet. Surprise, surprise. But she, like, shatters a hip or something. I don't know. Which is something that should only happen to you if you're, like, 95, you know? Yeah. And have a walker. But I guess when you're an anorexic ballerina, it doesn't take a lot for your bones to <laughs> Right. I mean, These people are not the healthiest living. Like, this is not. Right. Puts a lot of physical strain on you to, like, do this. Plus, And you also you don't eat a lot. Yeah, when you're trying to mostly subsist on celery and bra, like, right. sort of saps all your strength. Which we are not making up. That is covered in the book. Yeah. We didn't just say that. <laughs> um, so that's the opening of this book, is that Cassie, right. the star of the company, whatever, is done. Like, her career is over, basically, because she's right. broke her leg or whatever. And so then the book actually gets started, and Cassie is just like... She's not a character in the book anymore. She's just, like, in the background. Right, and they're just talking about what happened to her last time. Because but they don't, like, really in. mention her until later in yeah. the book. Like, I forgot that she did that opening chapter until I was going back to look through the book before the podcast. Yeah. So they just start out because then, like, the book book starts, right? And Gigi comes in. Gigi's from California, and she's now taking Cassie's place in the way that she uses really, like, beautiful technique, blah, blah, blah. And she starts taking roles from, again, these people that have been here for years and really obviously resent that. And there's some couple, like, veil mentions of, like, you don't want to happen to you what happened to Cassie last year. Yeah, you I know? guess so. And so then the story really revolves around Gigi, who is the nicest person in the book. She's, like, overly nice. Like, for all this she's bad stuff nice. that is happening to her, she, like, she's, like, <laughs> She I don't tries know. to be nice to everyone. So, like, I, like, can't, like, feel bad or, like, what? I don't know. What like, she's a, she's a really nice character. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, I would not be that nice. But, like, I appreciate it in her. And she has a heart condition, which becomes yeah. more important later. So she has, I don't remember what she has, but she has to be careful that she... she has a hole in her aorta. Yeah. But I also... Um, that sounds lying. real. But a they myocardial... To, she has to be careful. And, like, obviously, like, if you have a hole in your heart, you shouldn't be doing ballet, really. Because um, it's pretty strenuous. And, I mean, they're rehearsing probably eight hours a day, most days. Um... Which is a lot. Yeah. So, that's also an issue that comes up later. But she's, like, this, like, oh, no, she has a health condition. Which I think adds just to, like, how much sympathy and, like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to see for her. Because she's, like, has a health condition and she's so, so nice and she's from California. So, she's kind of out of place in this New York school. Mm-hmm. She's majorly the sympathetic character. She's yeah. the nicest person. She doesn't really do anything wrong. She starts to get a little bit crazy by then because all these bad things start happening to yeah, her. Yeah, people are being and, like, really mean to her. <laughs> yeah, people were doing this. Well... I would have, at the point, well, we actually, we don't actually care about talking to this, about the plot a whole lot, but since we're started now, um, basically all the characters in this book are horrible except for Gigi, and lots of, like, horrible things happen. Right. Like, they just, they're constantly trying to sabotage each other, and basically, they're all carrying out this, like, low-level, too high-level, like, psychological and sometimes physical warfare on each other. Yeah. For, like, the entire period of time. And then there's these, like, witless guys who are in the plot and just act like they... Or, like, honestly, just don't know what's going on half the time. Right. Also, there's adults occasionally, but you forget that they're there because there seems to be no, like, actual consequences for it. There's, like, rules that yeah. are set up, but then, like... Adults are really, like, y'all need to step up. <laughs> like, stuff's going down, and they're just, like... <laughs> Girls are getting, like, glass put in their shoes, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, guys, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 
adult supervision here is lacking. Also, I said that Cassie was dropped by Alec. That's not true. Cassie is dropped by the other boy. I can't even remember his name. There's too many characters. But it's this guy who was friends with Bat. Oh, shoot. What is his name? Yeah. Oh, Bat is also, like, the... Queen Bee. The Queen Bee. She's the one She's that blonde. should be having all the roles. Mm-hmm. She's blonde. Her older sister was a star when she was in school and got a position with ABC and has done, like, super well, you know. Yeah. Also, we find out her family's crazy and, like, high pressure or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's really mean, and everyone thinks that she's doing everything to Gigi, like, all of the sabotage, because, like... But she's not, because they're all horrible. <laughs> right, she's only doing some of it. Yeah. Come to find out. Her, so Gigi's roommate is June, and so June is one of the other narrators, and June is bulimic, and I don't know. June has, has some, some sort of disorderating happening, yeah. whatever it might be. Right. And so... And she's Which always... Which they all kind of do to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they're just... I mean, some of them maybe are just, like, very, very closely watching, but there's... Like, if you consider disordered eating a spectrum, they're all on they're it all somewhere. On it. They're definitely all on it. But, I mean, they're teens in this hyper... I mean, I feel like that's probably pretty accurate to what's yeah. actually happening in the ballet world. Yeah, but, but um, if you have to keep super thin to, like, keep right. your job... I mean, there was that one New York Times person a couple years ago where he went and saw uh, the Nutcracker and he was giving a review and he made a comment about how the sugar plum fairy had a few too many sugar plums and you see her oh and she looks like gosh. a normal person. You didn't hear about that? It was, no. a, it was a while ago. But like they're like critiqued on their body as much as, I mean they're like athletes but they're not. Yeah, but they also have to keep up this aesthetic too. Right. This very specific non, like that's not how people are supposed to look if you're working that hard for the most part. I mean, it's getting better because I think there's more awareness in the ballet community of this. Mm-hmm. Also, they're getting a lot of shit for it. So <laughs> they're trying to... They have to change their ways. But yeah. So June is probably the most disordered of the eating we see. And her... Well, no, there's that one girl who gets sent home. Oh, well. One girl, actually, because they all have... Again, like, they're supposed to match up to this aesthetic, but they're also having their weight monitored because if you fall underweight, you get kicked out. Right. You have to stay in between two very... Like, because if yeah. you get overweight, then... You're also going to have a conversation about that, probably. But, um... But they also can't allow you to fall so... Like, they can't allow anyone to be, like, visible, like... Right. Very clearly, physically unhealthy, like... So they have weigh-ins, like, once a week. Mm Mm-hmm. And one girl... We can't even... Again, there's a lot of characters in this book that we actually know by name. So, and some... I can't even remember their name. Who is that guy? I have no idea. Sorry, guys. I forgot his name. There's Alec, Henri, and the guy who drops... Cassie, who I almost just called Clarice, because I don't know these people's <laughs> names. <laughs> Makeup names. Well, Dominic. That seems like a good name. No, I just made that up. I don't think this is me. I know, but just so you know, it's not <laughs> um, What we were talking about before, talking about how many people had names. Oh, one girl gets sent home because she consistently yeah. fails way in. And we I don't know about think her. she's like a key character. No. I mean, we only know about how like crazy obsessed with like eating and when she's not eating and all this stuff that June is because June is one of the narrators. So you get this first person perspective on mm-hmm. her eating disorder, which is actually like it's like her central fault almost. And then you find out that her mom wants her to leave ballet school and she always gets understudy position. So like there's this pressure. And she also like is being like kind of kicked out of the the Korean the Korean community. Like, there's a uh, handful of Korean students at the school and June is 
supposed to be one of them, but they've, like, ostracized her, so right. for whatever reason. But her mom doesn't know, and her mom still thinks she's, like, really involved in the, uh, with the other Korean students she's and still friends. Still friends. not. Because her mom's still, like, really involved with all their parents, and there's so there's a lot of drama happening with all the students. That was, so, like, they're all, except for Gigi and Alec, I guess. Alec is the boy who is boyfriend, and with Beth's boyfriend. They had a relationship. But then he dumps, dumps Bet for Gigi, which is, like... Yeah, that's basically how that went down. It was, like, maybe two like minutes a later. a little bit of a nicer way-ish, but, like, it happened pretty quick. <laughs> anyway, and so he starts going out with Gigi, um, and he is a nice person, even though at many times he just seems, like, oblivious. He really, like, overlooks a lot of things, I think, because he doesn't want to see it. He was Beth's boyfriend, but he, like, refuses... He kind of, like, knows Beth has done some bad things. But, like, really refuses to see her as, like, the really bad person that she actually is. Um, which... That always annoys me when everyone's, like... Because Gigi, before she actually ends up with Alec, you know, has a crush on him or whatever. And everyone's like, oh, he's nice, even though his girlfriend is a bitch. Which, I just don't believe that. And this story, it ends up being true, I guess. But it's also a novel. I feel like in real life, like, if the guy's girlfriend is a bitch, like, the wool is not being pulled over his eyes. Well, I think she has kind of a better sense of what's happening in her home life. Because we find out her That's home true. life is, like... Her home life sucks. Is horrible. Her mom is, like, an insane person. Psycho. And... So it's yeah. not good. So I think he's a little bit aware of that. And so I guess he... Is more sympathetic. More sympathetic to it. Also, I didn't, I mean, like, she, Bet is, like, extremely competitive and is doing some of these horrible things, but so is everyone else. <laughs> yeah, there's really, there's no, except for Gigi, who is a sympathetic character, everybody else is doing bad things. So a lot of bad things happen, including, like, what's this list and all? Gigi's, like, medical results that were sent to the nurse of, like, her heart exam, like, showing that she has a heart problem, were, like, stolen. And I can't even remember who did all these things. I don't remember at all. so many things happened. Were, like, stolen from the nurse's office and, like, pinned up in this, like, communal closet where people go to, like, post pictures and stuff. It's like, like their inspiration closet. Yeah, also their torture closet. Because, again, they, they like, yeah, post, like, mean things to each other in there, too. There's Again, not monitored by adults. Yeah. <laughs> adults here are the dumbest people. And maybe they just don't care. Maybe they think it's like, as long as it doesn't get so bad that it affects dancing, that, like, we'll just let it happen because <laughs> ballerinas be cray. <laughs> it's part of the art. Seems pretty damaging, especially if you're an adult who is interested with the welfare of teenagers. But whatever. Um, they write, like, mean, like, threatening messages to other ballerinas and lipstick on the mirror. They send, like, cockroaches to one of them. Most of these things are happening to Gigi. Um, pretty much all of them. Gigi gets glass in her point shoes. They, yeah, like, one of the biggest things she, like, the glass is put in her point shoe, and, like, yeah. she goes to dance on it, and it stabs her in the foot, and there's blood everywhere, and there's glass. And if your foot gets injured as a ballerina, <laughs> big problem. Yeah. Like, your, your feet are already not in great shape because you're dancing on, like, a quarter inch of your toe. Like, yeah. so, like, they're pretty, but they're important. <laughs> right. Which doesn't put her out for the rest of, like, the season or whatever, but she does have to take time off from rehearsal and just, like, barely gets back into the ballet before it starts, I guess. Yeah. Um, And what other stuff happens? The the butterflies. So, yeah, she has these butterflies. Yeah, so she has butterflies, and then someone kills them all and pins them to her wall. Which is kind of a lot of work. Because you have to kill them in a way that you can still pin them to the wall with their wings open. So I guess maybe hairspray. 
I don't know. Yeah, that is a lot of work. You can put them in the freezer. Mm, that's, that's a good idea. My Paige mom did entomology and 4-H when she was a girl, and she did that thing where you touch a bunch of stuff and you pin it, and you put it on a display at the state fair. We, when I went and volunteered at the Santa Fe Children's Museum, we had to sleep in there, and mm-hmm. um, it was just like butterflies on all of the wall. <laughs> just dead butterflies on every they single wall. They come to life at night. <laughs> and some of them are like real big, because it's like a museum, so they have like one from like the Amazon that are like mm-hmm. as big as your head. <laughs> There was also a bubble tank, though, that we got to play with when all the kids left, so it was worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's the plot. It's would kind recommend. Of, although all this stuff happens and there's so much drama, I was incredibly bored. This book is deceivingly long. It is longer than you would think. And it keeps, it like, yeah, it just kind of drags. I, I feel bored. like, because there's, like, two, is there two main parts? I feel like there's the, I like, don't even know. Maybe. You're probably, the again, fall season so and then the spring happening. season. And they can be separate stories, because something really bad happens to Gigi. In the spring season, season or in the fall season, what and then I don't remember. Are you sure? What the glass one that happens in the spring season? I don't know. I, I think feel she like it's ch- by in the fall season. No, We're she does it. Ramping up the cycle. Oh, people are still being really mean. I don't know. Well, yeah, everyone's being mean, and it's like you, you don't know who to trust. Blah blah blah. From yeah. a character's perspective, from our perspective, we know that all these people suck. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but one of the things that happens, so like all these people are, are basically engaging in like horrible behavior to try and be on top or whatever. Right. Because you can't just outdance someone. You just no. have to murder them. <laughs> well, I felt like <laughs> they were being kind of mean to Bet. And I mean, like, it's told from her perspective, but I feel like she was kind of being, like, she was dancing <laughs> well enough at the same level, if not better, sometimes than Gigi. But they were like, you don't have, like, the emotion and the heart behind it. And I just kind of felt... That's a thing. I guess You can dance or play or whatever, technically perfect, but if there's no... I just felt I wasn't as sympathetic to Gigi as maybe I should have been well, as a reader. Well, Michelle also <laughs> doesn't like nice people, you know? So I don't. I have more respect for mean people. <laughs> so <just keep laughs> Not like glass, mind, glass in the shoes mean people. Kind of people. as a flawed perspective. Well, okay, so that's the thing that, Not that, extreme. that is made up to be a villain. Um, but we do see that all these characters have, like, pressures from home. Right. In Beth's case, her mother is a psycho. Like, a lot of bad things do happen to these people. But I'm sorry, if that's supposed to make me feel like that Bet being a terrorist essentially is justified, it does not. I feel like Bet being a terrorist is justified. Also, I feel no, like Bet is working really hard. And I feel like we don't see, I mean, we see Gigi, like, going she, down and working the studio after hours. Yeah, so working really hard. But she's, but mostly she's just flirting with boys is what she does in the studio, though. No. Yeah. She spent a lot of time thinking about it. Also, she just got here. I like him on Team Bet, which is, like, not the position you're supposed to have. No. All. Not at all. All these people are horrible people, save for Gigi and Alec, basically. But they do, like, I don't know. I just felt like they weren't actually redeemable. You could tell the authors were trying to make it seem that way when they gave all these details. But right. having a horrible home life does not justify you trying to, like, cripple someone. Like, sorry. That was the one who made... What's his name? Even though he's still responsible because he actually did it. Yeah, I'm sorry she she's persuasive. Him to, <laughs> oh my gosh. She made him drop Cassie. Which, yeah, like, that's not okay. I don't care how bad your home life is. Well, that's not revealed till the end. And then I was like, at that point I was already in name. Well, by, by the middle. Again, there's a lot of people going on, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I did not figure it out lines. who that Cassie was until, like, 
after I finished the whole thing and then went back and tried to figure that out. The thing is, they're sort of setting this up as, like, a mystery. So they're setting up this central mystery, basically, as who dropped Cassie, but they don't start setting it up. Actually, they doesn't come back in the until the spring. Until, like, page 119. I marked it in my notes. I don't know where that's at. It's still sort of in the beginning. But they just, like, they mention yeah. it. They set... It seems like, because it's at the beginning, that's supposed to be the sort of, like, at least a central event that something in this plot is turning around, but they just, like, leave it for a long time. Yep. And then it doesn't actually come back in until the very end. It was too long. Yeah, so things really start to pick up at the very end of the book, and we find out throughout the plot who does a couple of these things, like, like the, well, we don't find out who did the butterflies. I thought it was June. Was it? Again, yeah. I don't even know. We don't find out who put glass in Gigi's shoe, which is one of the biggest things. We never find out who did it, ever. Or if we do, we don't remember. No, we know. I was paying attention by that point. I wanted to know who put glass in his shoe, and we never find out. And at I think the her end, sister maybe assumed it was Beth. But Beth denies doing it. And, like, from her own perspective. Mm. Bet was really freaked out when she sees the blood. We never find out who does that. At the very end, things start to speed up because, like, the night before this big Because they're tired of, of writing. <laughs> Giselle, which is actually Gigi's full name. Well, also, they I'm this... glad they ended at some point. It's like, my God. Yeah. No, also, her name is Giselle, which, mm-hmm. like, anyone who's... It's a pretty name. It's a pretty name. And also, anyone who's seen a ballet, which all of these girls are, like, ballerinas, so they would have seen a ballet. And she's always shocked when people can pronounce her name correctly, and I'm like... <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's like the ballet, because I guess a lot of people pronounce it like... I don't know how you pronounce it. How else do you pronounce Giselle? We've all heard of Giselle. Giselle. <laughs> And she, like, makes a big deal out of how it's pronounced, like, the ballet. Even if you didn't know the ballet, you would know the supermodel. Right. It's not, like, that, un- like, it's a name I've heard before. It's not, like, a name I've never heard. Yeah, that's weird. She made a big deal out of it, it's and I found it was weird. Is it yeah. how it's pronounced? Hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> Alright. Until further notice, it's pronounced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the very end, it finally, like, speeds up this plot. We're just gonna get to the end, because we don't care anymore. <laughs> They go out to a club, all of them. So for one night, they decide to be friends, or as best of frenemies as they can be at the point. So they all go out to a club the night before, like, Giselle's actually supposed to open. And... The ballet Giselle. The ballet Giselle. Starring Giselle. Yeah. For the second semester in a row, which I feel like as a ballet teacher, like, maybe we would spread those out a little bit. Like, the The best person should win. Bet is the best person. She apparently not because they didn't give it to her. At one point, Bet also tries to like seduce the ballet master person. Yeah, she obviously has seen Black Swan because that's how that works. There's a lot of weird stuff. Bet's also on drugs like all the time. Who is it? (laughs) Anyway, they all go to this club, which obviously they're underage, but it's fine because like Bet knows the bouncer or whatever. So then they all, they all, like, get really drunk, which seems like, okay, it's the night before ballet. You can't afford to be hungover. Hopefully you're not still hungover by the ballet time at, like, six. I don't know. All of these people are underage. They don't have, like, most of them have, like, no experience, especially Gigi, has, like, no experience drinking alcohol, and they all drink a lot. That's true. Plus, Bet's also doing drugs. Who else, who knows who else is, like, Yeah, I don't know how that would have been. into that stash. <laughs> so Bet, 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 I don't know her name. That <laughs> would be a way better name for her. Yeah, but I like the name Belle. It belongs to a Disney princess who was a nice person, so I would also not like her to have it. <laughs> I just hope her name is not Betty. I feel like someone's to the someone, on her bet. one of our dear, dear listeners is going to reach out and be like, her name is Betty. <laughs> if Hopefully. you can back it up, we'll correct it. It's going to be Sonia, and then she's got Sona. Sona. <laughs> it's going to be Sona, and she's going to tell us how to pronounce her last name, which we would appreciate. Thanks, yeah. Sona. But, um, Go ahead and give anyway, us they all get smashed. <laughs> Bet is on stimulants. 
Her drugs are like Adderall or whatever, yeah. like stimulants. The things you would take alcohol, if you were depressant. Never mix an upper and a downer. If you take nothing away from this podcast, never mix an upper and a downer. <laughs> you should will... not do that. Yeah. Because one speeds your heart rate up, and the other, like, one speeds your CNS, your central nervous system up, and the other slows it down. Like, you don't combine these things, guys. Right. Don't combine drugs with alcohol ever, anyway. You should also just not do drugs. No, like, if you're on, like, an antidepressant, it's actually a depressant. I know, confusing. But that sounded really, like... Depressant from the perspective of CNS. Right, right, right. That sounded really pretentious. I'm sorry. You probably knew that, and I apologize if I made you out to be an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that bad that you said that. (laughs) Um, But if you take that with alcohol, it's, like, not a multiplicative relationship. It's an exponential relationship. So they affect each other exponentially rather than, like, just, like, adding the two together. It's, like... So don't do that either. Yeah. Don't mix drugs. You need to read the labels on your prescription meds, yeah. and you also need to not do drugs. But if whatever you do, don't mix an upper and a downer. Oh, or two downers. But that doesn't. She doesn't even die. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know how Beck gets out of this without like overdosing or something, or just like losing your mind. People do this all the time. Do you not know that people do this all the time? <laughs> the message we're trying to get across here is not that people do it all the time. Yeah, don't you do it all the time? Dumb people do it all the time. Anyway, well, you're smart people. People do stupid things all the time. Like our title says, smart girls. Exactly. <laughs> stacks. And boys. Boys can listen to it. Anyway, that was a nice health lesson. But anyway, so they all go out. They get <laughs> smashed. Like, all of them. Like, guys, if you also, if you go out and you decide you want to get super drunk, like, and you go to a bar or club, whatever, that's fine. But someone in your group needs to stay sober. <laughs> Sober-ish. Okay, yeah, not like... <laughs> you don't need to be, like, drink-free. I'm not saying take the SAT sober, <laughs> You really should take the SATs drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, in a quote from the Mindy Project. I love that show. Um, you don't need to be sober sober, but you do need to be take the SATs sober. Right. <laughs> so if, if you're one friend who has a decent tolerance, takes has a drink or two over a period of hours, like that's right. fine. They're probably still functional. But you can't you need, all get smashed. Right, you need someone to remind you to act normal when there's, like, cops around. Yes. <laughs> someone needs to make sure you guys get home safely. Someone needs to be, like cognizant of like the creepy guy that's hitting on you slash trying to drug your drink slash another takeaway from this podcast <laughs> always watch your drink always watch your bring drink. it with you in the bathroom i mean i know it may be weird but yeah better safe than sorry yeah so again are creepy you need a sober friend or someone who passes as sober basically yeah. mm-hmm. anyway these people did not follow these rules these people get smashed and then guess what bad things happen so i guess they get like a phone call that like oh hey the adults that have supposed to have been for like the past four days they've decided to start watching you tonight <laughs> who have been in this caretaking role of minors for months now have decided that now is the time they're gonna step up and be adults so they're heading out of the club because they heard all their dancers are there totally hammered and they're not happy obviously so then everyone's like strange oh my God. <laughs> and everyone like totally hammered runs out of the club tries to like get in a taxi or whatever and they're all really drunk and so what happens is they're like crossing a street and Gigi gets hit by a taxi. The implication being though it's not it's actually ambiguous from the novel if she was pushed or if she just tripped or if she was so drunk she just ran in front of it. It's actually not clear how <laughs> she was hit by the cab. I totally thought she just tripped. I thought she just tripped too, because there's not it's I was very like, ambiguous. What a moron. She's self destructive. <gasps> she wasn't mean enough to other people. So. This is the thing, if you get too drunk and you trip on cobblestones and you fall in front of a cab, like, again, sober friend. The moral of the story is people can sabotage themselves way better than you ever could. 
People are still blamed, though. They're like, why did you take Gigi out? She got too drunk and it was your fault. I feel like that, there was, like, some... Well, people got blamed because the... <laughs> though what's ambiguous from the point of view of the novel, whether or not she tripped or she was pushed or the cat just hit her because she was Which is also she was a drunk person. Like, drunk people do dumb things. Yeah. If you're so drunk that you can't avoid moving traffic, if you can't avoid a taxi in the street... That's also, like, that's a pretty, that's pretty drunk. I mean, sometimes I can't avoid cars when I'm sober. <laughs> I've never been hit by a car. I don't know. I, <laughs> I just feel like I'm not, like, always spatially aware, and sometimes I'm, yeah, I'm not always spatially aware. I don't know. If you're so drunk that you just walk out into the middle of the street. I try to be spatially aware traffic around the streets. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa. Anyway, so it's not clear if that actually happened or not, but then the paramedics arrive, like, Gigi's, like, you know, broke a leg or what? Like bad thing. Now she's definitely out. The glass on the foot she recovered from, but being hit by a cab. She the does night not, before the ballet. Yeah, the night before the ballet, not gonna recover from. And it's unclear if she's actually gonna dance again, because then her heart condition Ooh. kicks in as well, and she passes out. So like, bad things happen all around. <laughs> obviously, there's a sequel, so I think she does dance again. Right, yeah, we and just it appeared. Found out, we just found out there's a sequel. We were book. doing some research on this book, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but. There's a sequel, so I think she does dance again. I think that's I think that's true. That's the implication like in one of the main sequel description. Girls, yeah. But um, the paramedics get and the police get here, and they want to know what happened, and they want to figure out why she ended up in front of the cabin. So I feel like the police would just be like, she probably fell. She's real drunk. Well, that's the thing. But then but they people, don't. But then someone says Bet pushed her. Who says Bet pushed her? I don't know. Was it already Bet? Probably. He's been mad at her since Cassie, his girlfriend, not his sister. <laughs> I really swore they were siblings. No. Henri is a weird character, because he seems like he would be a sympathetic character, because he's Cassie's boyfriend, who arrives right. to school after Cassie is sent away because she got hurt. He shows up for the next semester, next right. season, or whatever. And he's a big deal in the French dance world, apparently. He's had, like, covers and, like, endorsement deals and stuff. And he seems like he should be a sympathetic character. Right. But he's actually, like, mad creepy. <laughs> he is mad creepy. And manipulative, and he, like... Like, basically, like, sexually assaults Bet and... Poor Bet. Again. That's Team not cool. Bet. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> Even, if, Even it... if you're a bad person. Like, that's yeah. not cool. <laughs> um, Golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Yeah. Henri, I don't understand him as a character. I don't, like... Yeah, you would really think that they would set him up to be sympathetic because he's, like, the character that, like, is... His girlfriend got, right. like... Attacked by these people. He's, like, the one that we, like, see, because Cassie's not at the school anymore, so we uh-huh. see, he's the one who we see who's been, like, affected by this trauma previously. Yeah. And so you'd think he would come, like, carry the torch for Cassie or whatever, nope. and want to punish these people, but he actually just, like, gets involved with them and decides, he's just, he's a weird character, man. I never understood what was going on with him. Anyway, it might have been Henri, I think, or someone who told the police that that pushed Gigi. That is really... Like, high and drunk at this point. She doesn't remember. And so it's also ambiguous from the point of view of Nala, even from the point of view of, like, Bet as the narrator. Right. She doesn't know if she did or not. Right. And she kind of, like, feels that she didn't. She doesn't really re- recollect pushing her, but she also knows that she's so, like, I don't know. She maybe like she possible. didn't. And when someone's there saying that, telling the police that she pushed her, she doesn't remember, but right. also someone is claiming that she did. So it's really actually ambiguous if she pushed her or if. She was pushed, whether it was Bet right. did it. This is one of the I'm reasons. not told that Bet did. I don't think Bet did. I don't but think I think so. Bet is the most interesting character, and it's probably why I liked her the most, because you see kind of the most conflict within her. I feel like you, like, see her home life, 
And you see that she's being a bad person. I don't think she's trying to wreck it. Like, she's not like, I'm a bad person because of my home life. She, like, never uses that personality as an excuse. But by the end, she, like, recognizes how capable she is of doing these horrible things without even being, like, cognizant of it. It's become such an unconscious thing. That's Does true. she cha- make a change? I don't change? think that's an excuse, no. but that's true. But, like, growth. Awareness is the first step, right? Sure. Yeah, but you can't leave it at awareness. To quote well, there's history, a sequel. <laughs> to quote our venerable history teacher, change or will kill you. Um, in response to people who, like, know their flaws and, like, can point them out and then, like, refuse to do anything about it. Gun to your head, you'll change. So... It's on you. Um, yeah. So then the book just ends, like, June ends up, June's the understudy, guess what? So, it's also kind of, like, if someone pushed Gigi, who has the most to gain? It's June, actually. Right. June has the most to gain by sabotaging Gigi, because she's always the understudy. Though we don't actually know if it's her that did it, or if there was anyone who did it, but it's I think she tripped. I have a feeling, like, that's how I feel that she just tripped over a couple times, because she was super drunk, drunk, and she was wearing heels that she can't even wear. That was too out of it to, like, people. I don't yeah. know. Maybe she gets really mean when she's drunk. I feel like she probably wouldn't. I feel like she would probably be, like, a weepy drunk. Who? Beth. I feel like she's just a crazy drunk because she's a crazy person all around. I know, but I feel like she has a lot of underlying trauma that she's trying to hide with her crazy. So when, yeah. like, she gets drunk, it might all come out. Maybe. There might be tears. I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, the book ends, like, the last couple pages. Because this happened, like, the car crash and everything happens, like, really condensed. Because the book... It's pretty long, but, the, like, the actual, like, big events at the very end are really right. short, which keeps happening and keeps being annoying to me. I feel like it's a flaw in plotting, in my opinion, I guess. I don't know. Right. Maybe it's not. It depends. I just didn't look the book overall, so I guess I don't care. Yeah, but, me neither. Um, the book ends with them actually performing Giselle, June, because she must go on even if someone almost got murdered. Ish. That's how it goes. Um, June, as the understudy, performs as Giselle. And at the the end, the book ends with what's his face? I can't even remember the Russian ballet master at the school. I don't know his name. I can't remember. And it's I don't care. Leading Cassie out at the when everything they're about battles and stuff, he leads Cassie out from backstage to like reintroduce her because Cassie has now healed. Cassie again, the girl who got dropped at the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. She's back. She's been recovered and is going to dance next season, and the last thing we have is, like, June being like, oh, God, <laughs> someone else is going to make me another study again. And then the book ends, which I felt like the ending was anticlimactic. I was yeah. like, because, like, you don't care about Cassie. Like, she was at the beginning, she got dropped, but, like, you don't care. Yeah, like I said, I, when I read that part about Cassie being reintroduced, I had to go back through the book and figure out who she was, because the mystery is, like, so, like, it, the book is so long, and the mystery of Cassie is, like, so sporadically interwoven that, like... Yeah, there's I so just didn't many... pay attention to it when it was interwoven the first time through. Because yeah. I didn't realize how important it would be. And especially if you read this book like I did, which was you read a section of it and then you put it down for a long time and you picked it up again. Uh, there's so many, like, characters and there's so many interwoven storylines. And right. there's so many, like, veiled secret plot lines that you can't remember. Like, you can't keep that much straight and you can't remember what you're already supposed to know. And you can't remember who's doing what. At least I couldn't. Again, probably a fall of how I was reading the book. Um... But so be it. <laughs> That's how it was. Um, yeah, and so I just, it was very anticlimactic ending. And what really annoyed me the most was that we never figure out who put the glass in Gigi's shoe, which is one of the biggest things that happened to her. And we never figure out if she was pushed and if so, by who. And that was like the most annoying thing to me because it, 
at the very end, that was, like, the big mystery was, like, who was doing all this stuff to Gigi, who was really out to get her, right. blah, 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 and they never answer it. And, like, don't set it up as some kind of, like, mystery and have all these, like, veiled hints to all of your plot and all this stuff if you're not going to solve it at the end. Because at the end of the book, I read it, I finished it, and I was like, that was anticlimactic. But I didn't think they were setting it up for a sequel. And we've since found out that they do have a sequel, right. which makes me even angrier. It's called, like, Shiny... Shiny Broken Things, I think. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so, same theme. Um, and we're not going to read the sequel because we don't like the first book. And yep. also because I'm angry because at the, at the end I felt like it was, like, an unsatisfying ending. Right. But it didn't seem like it was being set up for a sequel. And now I think if they made that unsatisfying ending because they were setting it up for a sequel, that pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> sequel should come because, like, it's natural and you right. want to read more, not because you're just trying to expend it. Right. And I I feel like there could have been, like, a... Because you have so much build-up because the book is so long and there's so mm-hmm. much drama. You keep waiting for it to build to something. Right. And, it and there could be a variety of things that built up to you. I feel like you could have had a pivotal character development point where, like, one of these girls realizes, like, the error of their ways and, like, changes themselves. You could have had, I don't know, like, a lot of, like, climax, some sort of justice served for Gigi. There could have been a lot of ways in which, like, the drama was addressed and, like, there was growth or... Not even growth. Like, it could have been a tragedy where everything went terribly awry, but, like, at least we learned a lesson from it. There was nothing. Like, it just told this story with no... And I mean, maybe they wanted to keep it realistic, right? They didn't want to take the Shakespearean angle, and they didn't want to make it, like, a moralizing tale where people got what they deserved. Or people, like, saw the... Maybe, like... Bet is a really bad person, and it's going to take more, probably, for her to change. And maybe they wanted to keep that realistic. Okay, that's fine. It's but I'm fine. still... <laughs> I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I'm still angry that, like, the unanswered questions are still unanswered, because it seems right. like they set them up to be answered, and then they didn't, and it just seems lazy to me. Right, because... Like, they didn't want to pick someone right. who put glass in Gigi's shoe. I'm so pissed. I want to know who put glass in her shoe. Well, and there could have been justice served, even if it was, like, not actually served, but just, like, for the reader knowing who did it. Yeah. There's just so much stuff that happened. There just seems so many... There were too many threads that they couldn't resolve them all. So, like, there was a, a side story for, like, a couple, I don't know, 15 pages where Beth tries to seduce the ballet master, and there's a lot of implications that her older sister, part of the reason that she was so successful, she had a sexual relationship under some sort of coercion. Because if... I mean... There's no implication that, like, Adele was raped or assaulted by the ballet master exactly, but it does seem it was coercive because Adele knew that she had to do it to keep her position and to right. be successful, which still seems like a not consensual. Right. I mean, then you have power dynamics, and then, mm-hmm. like, that's why people over 18 can't date people under 18. Yeah. That's why, there's, that's why there's rules. Okay. <sighs> Do we have any other final thoughts? The writing itself was... I don't have any lines. I, do you have any lines? I don't have any lines. Well, I have one. I don't have, but she's right. The writing style was not horrible. It wasn't like super No, it wasn't cringy. distracting at all. It wasn't like beautiful where you were like just like kind of brought Swept more into the story. The right. Um, but it wasn't distracting, which I think is good and challenging to do with dance uh-huh. novels. So that I was fine. That. Um, I mean, the writing was fine. I have no real commentary on the, the writing. The only line I picked up on was on like, I don't know, 56, 60 something. Where they say green room room, and that's obviously just a typo that wasn't caught by their copy editor. But I caught it. Good job. <laughs> At one point, they also pick a lock with a hairpin, and I just want to announce for like the 117th time in my life you can't pick a lock with a hairpin. Because lock picking, for those of you who someday need to pick a lock, <laughs> involves not only like a pick, 
but also a torque wrench to like put the right amount of pressure on the tumblers. So if you're going to pick a lock with a hairpin, you at least need two pins because you're going to need one to pick the lock and you're going to need the other one to lift the tumblers. Yep. So you at least need two hairpins. Just an FYI. Yeah. So always keep two in your hair. Yeah. At least. One time this show <laughs> locked your keys in a car. One time. I say like it only happened once. <laughs> Not the time, one time she locked her keys in her car while it was running, while the car was on. <laughs> and I left. Okay, the best part of the story was I left, I just like, so I was at school. I like dropped my car off, this is in high school, I had just started driving, oh right everyone. And she was in the basket case, we've discussed that before. And she was like, crazy <laughs> it's a crazy school. person in high school. I was that in high school, sort of. Okay, <laughs> that seems like a lot. Um, I did sabotage you that one time, and that's pretty good. That one time, yeah. Freshman year. But anyway, so... I had a math test that day, so I was a little preoccupied. I got out of my car, shut the door, and my, um, it was an older car, so I didn't have a remote on my keys, and so I would lock it, um, just on my door. And I locked the door, shut it, went to math class, and then someone came in, like, 30 minutes into math class and was like, um, do you have your keys with you? And so I was digging through my bag, and I couldn't find my car keys, and they were like, because your car's running. Which, what? If my car's <laughs> running, why are they asking me for my freaking keys? Um, so then they, like, are like, cool, go deal with it. And so I, like, go, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, and so I call some other friends that are in my math class because they know, they've seen this <laughs> chain of events, and they look up the volunteer, or not the volunteer, the non-emergency firefighter line, and the firefighters come and, um, break into my car for me, so I can turn the car off. Yeah. That's actually not the story I was thinking of. The None other of, time she locked into the car. These are really a waste of time. No, We're going to cut both of these out. No, this is great. This is great. Okay, guys, this is the I'm going to cut them out. No, you're not, because you don't have the computer. Um, okay, but you sent it to me. This is actually relevant, kind of a lock picking. So one time we were had to make music videos for these poems in high school, <laughs> and we did Sylvia Plath poems, and there was a lot of like Sylvia Plath and no, we did two Sylvia Plath. Oh, we matched the two. moon and the yew tree and candles. We combined them to make the moon and the yew tree candles, and we wanted some images of church candles. Yeah, we needed some church candles. We needed some Marian imagery. We needed a lot to like set the mood for this poem that. Drew on a lot of religious imagery, guys. If you want to look at the poems, that's a cool idea. Anyway, we needed, we did some filming at night, and then we needed, we found out we really needed more things, and we got out the candles or whatever. We hadn't gone in the church the night before. Yeah. So we needed to get more images, and so before school, Michelle lived in the neighboring town. She did not live in the town that we went to high school in, and so before school, we showed up at the church really early to get these shots. We're getting, she like pulled the stuff out of her car, or she pulled the camera out. I pulled everything. I had everything out of the car. No, nope, your laptop was in the car. Mm-hmm. Pulled the camera out of the car. She pulls the camera out. She leaves her bag and her laptop and everything in the car. Mm-hmm. And she goes to lock her car, which she always has with the button on the door. And it was just this, she locks the car. And she goes to push the door shut. And it was one of those moments where, like, everything slows down. And I saw the door shutting. Uh, and, like, remember it very well. And I just knew in that moment. That we both they, knew. That the door was locked. The keys were in the car. I knew Nichelle knew. I knew she knew that I knew. We both knew. And we just stood there in awareness as the door they shut. Were, they were, the car was not on this time. They the were car like, was off. They were, like, sitting on the seat or <laughs> we, something. Yeah. We or, like, in my bag. Shut her locked door on her keys inside her car. I had my phone, too. <laughs> and we I just watched it happen, and Michelle was like, okay. And then we turned around to the church and went to film. Right. And I called my dad during me my spirit set of keys, but he, again, I lived in the neighboring town, which was about 30 minutes away. But our first um, idea was to go to my house and get a hanger and try and open the door ourselves. We also picked up some Pop-Tarts because we hadn't had breakfast yet. Yeah. I think mostly me. 
Michelle probably locked her breakfast in her car, and she locked her laptop in her car. Which is why we needed it, because otherwise I would have just abandoned it. Paige would have taken me to school, and eventually I would have gotten it. Yeah, but we couldn't put together the... We were supposed to turn it in that day. Which we didn't want to do, because my iMovie was so slow that it took about two hours to open. <laughs> yeah, it was such a disaster of a project, and so... Our English teacher, bless her heart, thanks Miss Hire, shout out to you. Shout out to Miss Hire, who lives in Jordan now. She, our school district was so bad, she went to the Middle East. True story. And she loves it there. She's never coming yeah, back. Yeah, she's having a great time. Um, But yeah, she was the best. I had, like, multiple days. Like, had, like, just, like, the look of pure terror as something went awry in my, like, academic life. And Mrs. Hire allowed me the space to fix it. So I didn't turn that project on time. One time, I, so I was, I frequently got up at 4 a.m. to fin- finish projects. And one time I didn't actually wake up at 4 a.m. And I had a philosophy paper due. And I went up to Miss Hire, which is like panic on my face. And I was like, Miss Hire, can I not go to your class today and go to the library and finish my paper? And she let me go, which is like ridiculous. I don't think we were doing anything like super important that day. Maybe we were. I don't know. I wasn't there. She wouldn't have let someone else. Like, there were some people, obviously, who were not going to get away with that. We were. I was. I also we looked. Students. And I looked crazy all the time. Michelle so. was also crazy. So it seemed like. They loved us. Action. All of everyone loved us. Cool. <laughs> Moral of the story, everyone liked us. <laughs> and we're super popular. Like, they had a parade and we were like the princesses of the parade. Exactly. <laughs> it was exactly like that. <laughs> Every single day. High school was great for us. We did like high school. It was fine. It's not the way we were making it out to be. It wasn't as great as that. Um, but we did have a good time. Also, I feel yeah. like, now you can't say that high school was fun, because then people are like, oh, you must have peaked in high school. And I'm like, that's really that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had a good time in high school. I had a great time in college, too. Yeah. I just enjoy my life, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because we enjoy, like, savored our high school. Anyway. And it didn't happen to me. We eventually got Michelle's no car No one me. Probably because I was betting I threatened to put glass in their shoes if they were. So. All right. <laughs> I got a parking ticket because we were late to school, and I was so stressed that I forgot to put up my parking tag. We're deleting all of this. This is no. so irrelevant. <laughs> I eventually got so many parking tickets. Only, like, three. I had to go to Saturday school. I had to go to detention. <laughs> got parking tickets. Was it, were some of them your brother's fault? And some of them were my brother's fault, because my brother also drove the same car, and he forgot to put the hang I got one time. They did not care. They were not moved by this. And I had to go to Saturday school with a bunch of juvenile delinquents. Because <laughs> they the breakfast club. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. They don't allow you to talk. I haven't seen it either. Anyway. <laughs> so, I good reference. Detention in high school because of parking tickets. We were late to English, but it all worked out. Okay, back to the book. We need to just finish this podcast up. Yeah, we're going to wrap the podcast up. up. We thought this was going to be 20 minutes, obviously. We were so well, long. then we decided to spend 15 minutes reminiscing about high school. Um, <laughs> so, we're going to rate this on our scale. Right do you now. want us to just the book first? I don't know. Which one do we want to read first? I don't know. Let's do the book first. Okay. So it's written by these two women who I don't know if they're the founder. They, yeah, they're the founders of Cake Literary, which is uh, like a boutique publishing agency that focuses on diverse books. And their book, definitely, you see a lot of diversity. So mm-hmm. we the have... The authors are both women of color. Right. And Gigi, the main character, mm-hmm. is black. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned, June is Korean. And, there's right. like, and then there's other... Korean girls there. Right. And there's other characters. Are they? Um... Maybe not. I feel like that's it. Maybe a not. But there's some diversity within the book. As we were looking, we are like, we should recommend a, a book with diversity that is not this book because mm-hmm. we didn't really love this book. Um, we found it really challenging. I don't think yeah. I rec- realized how many books are just about white, white girls. <laughs> yeah. And especially, white boys. Yeah, especially in YA, there's a lot of white girl books. Yeah. Which, yeah, so we were, like, really um, 
a little bit <laughs> disappointed to find that. And we were also, we, you know, we want to recommend a book that we've actually read. You know, like, we can right. find you a diverse YA book. If you Google it, you can find a list. Right. And we did do that. But we'd also have to find a book that we've read. Right. And even though everything we've read is not, like, only by white people and only about <laughs> white people, like, we actually could name some books that are either by or about and sometimes both minorities within America. Yeah. We're also trying to, like, pick a sort of similar YA novel. Right. We want something that's thematically similar. Like, if you're looking for a book that is about, like, girls at a ballet school, which Mm -hmm. is this book, we were looking for something that was hopefully pulled on some of those themes, maybe, like, a boarding school book or another ballet book, and that's where we kind of find our challenge. Yeah. Something. Like, we can tell you to read, you know, like, The House on Mango Street. Right. But it's not super related to this book. (laughs) Right. So, what did we actually... So, that's... One of the things that we wanted to say was that, like, there yeah. should be more diversity in YA books, and it is, right. and, like, you actually have to try as a reader. And you I think it's assume that diverse books will fall right. here a lot, because they won't. And I think it's awesome what these two women are doing with Kate Loder. We looked at their website before mm-hmm. we started podcasting, and some of their other books look really interesting. And I think this book might appeal to people, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't particularly appeal to us. <laughs> but, I mean, that's fine. It wasn't, like, horrific. Like, maybe I it wasn't written for us. I don't know. Right. That's true. But <laughs> what <they're>, a surprise. <laughs> But there, there are some other novels on their website that but looks, do look super interesting. Yeah, so. we might read a couple of them. Ooh, look forward to that. Yeah. But yeah. So we looked for diverse books. One of my favorite diverse books I actually read when I was in elementary school, but it's amazing and it still holds up, is Esperanza Rising, mm-hmm. which is a great story about um, immigration and migrant farm workers in California. Um, yeah. And also Mexico and kind of the politics of wealth in Mexico. Yeah. A little bit. So it's a little bit related. It's a little bit related. It's also a little bit younger. It's a middle grades. Yeah. Uh, targeted book. But it's it's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the future, we'll definitely try to find more diverse books yeah. to recommend and review. Yeah. But we would have to say right now that we're not doing like the best out <laughs> We're not doing, like, the worst. Right. <laughs> We're not doing the best either. So. Yes. All right. Now are we ready to rate it? Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to rate this book on a scale from that time when your cousin was, like, spinning around in the kitchen and she was like, I'm doing ballet. And then she, like, knocked a bunch of stuff off the counter to Swan Lake at Lincoln Center. Yeah. So on that scale, we give this in elementary school ballet accompanied by the school choir orchestra and band. Uh, not the worst. Proud parents. <laughs> yeah. If you're a parent of one of the students, you probably loved it. You probably <laughs> videotaped it. But not high art, probably. Either. All right. Well, I think that's all we have mm-hmm. this podcast. You should definitely listen to our next one. <laughs> we're very excited. We are reading We Are We Were Liars. We Were Liars. We Were Liars. Um, we have a lot of thoughts. We have some stuff to say. <laughs> so look out for that. Thank you for sticking with us through our maybe not the best sound and our high school reminiscences, which we think are hilarious. hilarious. (laughs) We show lots of keys in our car while it was running, you guys. It's also a good cautionary tale. Like, keep your keys. We have a lot of cautionary tales. Don't make up for a downer. Email us at smartgirlswaystacks at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have recommendations, comments, you want to belittle us, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Till next time.